Good morning. It's Friday, the 26th of May, and I'm Govind Raj Ethi Raj with the core report coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital and most rocking city in the world. Here are our two quick reports and theme and conversation of the day. The Wipro chairman takes a 50% salary cut as profits fall. Other CEOs may have to follow this year. Foreign direct investment into India starts slowing down as global investors pull back and revalue investments. Thousands of fake goods and service tax registrations have been detected. How could the government respond in a way that the majority don't suffer? This is a core report with Govindraj Ethiraj. Our top story, Wipro chairman Rishat Premji has taken a 50% cut in compensation because of foregoing commission because of falling profits. His compensation was down to $951,000 as compared to $1.8 million in the previous year, according to a Wipro filing with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. Rishat Premji is entitled to a commission at the rate of 0.35% on incremental consolidated net profits of Wipro over the previous year. However, in light of the fact that the incremental consolidated net profits for fiscal year 2023, that's 2022-23, were negative, the company determined that no commission was payable for this year to Mr. Premji, said the company. Now, the company's senior management has also taken cuts. Jatin Dalal, Wipro's chief financial officer, took a 32% cut compared to 1.59 million in the previous year. Wipro's Thierry Delaporte continued to be the highest paid CEO in India, getting a total compensation of $10 million in 22-23, but that was down about 5% from the previous year. Wipro, by the way, reported a net profit of 3,074 crores for the year 22-23, down 0.4% year on year. So net profits didn't exactly crash through the floor, but it's disappointing for investors nevertheless. And Premji, as part of the founder family, perhaps took a preemptive move. But he will collect dividend if it is issued. Last year, his father and founder Azim Premji got 2,401 crores worth of dividend, just behind, by the way, Mukesh Ambani's family in reliance at 2,657 crores of dividend. Now, Wipro's salary cuts are a good trigger to dive a little deeper into how things are looking for the overall information technology services sector. I looked at commentary from analysts at Standard & Poor's Global Ratings who projected earlier this week that revenue for Indian IT firms will decelerate to 5% through 2024-25 or the next two years from the highs of 12 to 18% in 22-23. S&P Global Primary Credit Analyst Spencer NG says in this report, macro conditions will likely cause customers to approach discretionary IT spending with more caution. Projects that can deliver quantifiable outcomes will be the priority. Now, these may include cost efficiency projects and vendor consolidation projects. Non-critical projects may be delayed or cancelled and migration to cloud will remain on the customer's agenda because it is a crucial part of digitalization, he says. He also says, and this is critical because it goes beyond IT or information technology services to other sectors as well, that their pessimism, and that's my term, by the way, aligns with their GDP forecasts for the US and Europe, two of the biggest markets for Indian IT companies. We forecast the US to slow to 0.7% in 2023 and 1.2% in 2024 compared with 2.1% in 2022. We also expect Europe to slow to 0.3% in 2023 and 1% in 2024 from 3.5% in 2022, they said. To put things back in context, 
India's IT firms get almost 60% of their revenues from the United States and roughly 25 to 30% from Europe. And by the way, it was revealed today that Europe's largest economy, Germany, has slipped into recession after its GDP fell 0.3% for the quarter on the heels of a 0.5% contraction in the last quarter of 22, which is last year. So the IT industry has some tough times ahead. And do bear with me as I take you through some of these points. One problem for IT companies is high spending to retain staff and ensure project delivery, which in turn has led to lower margins. Employee costs contribute about 70% of total operating costs. Over the last two years, the industry has faced massive attrition as people jumped and dumped ship for new pastures. Companies tried hard to keep that boat afloat by hiking salaries and or resorting to subcontractors. All this resulted in EBITDA or earnings before interest tax depreciation margins shrinking 1-2% to according to S&P Global once again compared to pre-COVID times. Now, this is not to say that Wipro or others will get hit further. The industry has displayed resilience before and will quite surely do so now as well. But it does look like lower compensations and higher sleepless nights are in the offing for several IT services company CEOs. Our next story, foreign direct investment into India has declined for the first time in 10 years. If major economies like Germany, as I just mentioned, are slipping into recession and the world is slowing down, it is natural that investment flows into countries like India will slow too. Gross foreign direct investment flows for the first time in a decade declined on an annual basis in 22-23 to $71 billion, data from the Reserve Bank has said. Now, this annual decline works out to 16% as compared to 2022 or the previous year. That year, gross FDI inflows were 81.97 or about $82 billion, up 10% over the previous year. The last time there was such a contraction in foreign direct investment was in 2012-13 when inflows declined by 26% to about $34 billion. There are a few takeaways from this. One, while we have every right to be optimistic about the economy, we also have to be careful when we start thinking or believing we can crack it independently of what's happening around the world. I will do a data dive on this in coming days. But put simply, if the global economy slows down, India will be affected, either because of exports shrinking, which is happening, or via slowing foreign direct investment, as is evident now. There is another point. Many of the billions that poured in in the most recent years were in the startup world. They were riding on high valuations and expectations of an immensely rosy future. The year 21-22 was a blowout year, evidently at least, with $84 billion of investment flowing in. Now, changes in interest rates and outlook in the West have changed all of this. Valuations have, of course, soured, but many businesses that looked like slam-dunk successes maybe just two years ago will not even be able to raise venture capital going ahead. Now, the hope is that manufacturing-linked and led investments into India increase. We have several factors going for us here ranging from global manufacturers in areas like semiconductors and phones like Apple looking at options beyond China and into India, and of course our own domestic market that continues to grow. Many other ducks need to fall in line for this, but ensuring certainty and predictability of economic policy for sure is one. And our story on GST invoices. And maybe, as we talk about a slowing economy, it brings out the best or the worst in us. 
Central and state goods and service tax officials have apparently detected about 10,000 fake goods and service tax registrations in the first week of a joint drive that was launched earlier this month to unearth precisely such companies. Officials are believed to be conducting door-to-door physical verification of addresses and will subsequently take action, the Economic Times newspaper reported people saying and something I've independently picked up as well. The campaign against fraudulent invoices and registration began on May 15th and will run till July 15th. The amount of fake input tax credit is yet to be ascertained. It is premature to assess numbers so far, but initial estimates suggest it to be above 25,000 crore rupees, an unnamed official told the Economic Times newspaper again. This is concerning for a few reasons. One is, of course, that there is, if these numbers are accurate or close to, such large-scale attempts to deny the government the taxes that are due to it. Second, and more worrying in some ways, the government's likely response to this, which could well be in the form of even more drastic compliance measures, which could make life difficult for everyone. Now, this has usually been the case in the past. So I decided to pose this matter to Prashant Agarwal, partner tax and regulatory services at tax and consulting firm PricewaterhouseCoopers India. But first I asked him what a registration means or a GST registration means and what happens without it. So as far as the registration is concerned, that's a very relevant in the basic point that is important for our audience to understand. Registration here is being talked about is a GST registration, which a taxpayer has to undertake in each of the state where they are present. So it is based on certain threshold in terms of the turnover that they have on an overall basis for their businesses. Once they cross this threshold, then they are required to undertake this registration. The registration is a mandatory aspect once you cross the threshold and any business then has to undertake uh, certain compliances under GST, which starts with issuing of invoices, filing of returns, and so on. Uh, As far as what is this happening in terms of the drive, um, on 4th of May, there was an internal circular issued by the government, wherein they said they would be undertaking a drive for one month starting 15th of May. The idea is to look at those registrations where based on certain business intelligence and fraud analytics done by GSTN, which is, let's say, the tax administration technology body of the government, Uh, they have come out with certain parameters based on which they have identified certain risky or suspicious registrations across India. They've provided that data to the jurisdictions, which is the local level, state level authorities. And it is based on, let's say, your PAN or relevant information. Does it match with what your business is all about? Or is it of someone else? So for instance, let's say uh, people who are poor and who do not have means are their pans are being misused for the purpose of taking registration. So they are being taken on wrong names just to undertake the businesses. Um, Some of the intentions here is to pass on credits to businesses and undertake businesses uh, or business in wrong name. Uh, These are fly-by-night operators, small players uh, who are there in the systems more to, you know, take care of the uh, informal economy where today, unfortunately, GST has to be uh, charged. Yeah. Now, Usually, I mean, and oftentimes the government responds to situations like this by strengthening regulation or issuing more guidelines, which are usually stricter. Is there a way to address this problem in a way that we can make people more compliant? Sure. And and this is again very important. Why? Because uh, in this whole thing of drive, there is also inconvenience to a lot of taxpayers who may be genuine in this situation. So your point is very relevant. How do you ensure that we do not create any inconvenience to taxpayers who are genuine doing their business as usual but there are unique situations today so in today's time i would say two parts are very important one to think certain amount of out of the box thought process 
which could be can we ensure that the taxpayer at the time when they are doing registration has enough information in terms of pan validation so that whatever parameters you are trying to check post facto those can be undertaken immediately when the registration is being undertaken itself so you don't have to have a post facto verification by tax authorities so some of it is a work in progress we understand at a government level uh, when the registration is undertaken there are a lot of information which is asked for and most of those information unfortunately are documents which cannot be verified immediately so the government has been putting this process in place of verifying this information more often let's say the rent agreements or having a aadhar in place so those are things which people try and do at their end i also believe in some of the industry specific issues like you have scrap dealers and otherwise you may have to think of why should they register can we look at something like what we call as a reverse charge mechanism which means the bigger trade players pay tax on their behalf and take gst credits that can be more of a compliant approach which could be out of the box from a government standpoint right and last question prashant so as we look ahead one is to in a way address the first part which is how do we improve compliance in a way that doesn't inconvenience everyone going ahead secondly uh, anything that we can do as goods and service taxpayers to contribute to improving the overall tax climate so um as a customer and customer our duty is to ensure that whatever you are uh, paying for you take the relevant invoice that's the basic thing that we can undertake from our side that's the duty that we have to our nation as well that's part for us as a b2b transaction which is between two registration taxpayers it is important that as a customer when i am as a business procuring anything from my uh, suppliers i do my due diligence because that information is pretty much made available technologically by the gstn and ensure that my vendors are compliant i build in contracts to that extent this ecosystem and this force enforcement by myself will ensure an automatic compliances some of this has already started happening over and that's why you see a huge spike in the compliance over last two years the amount of compliance which has happened over the last two years is 50% more than what used to happen earlier so there are things which are happening on the right side i would say two things one government has to think slightly more out of the box which is largely to ensure that are there mechanisms beyond just ensuring that people are registered in the right manner to ensure that there is more compliance and less of pain in the system the other is can we have much more integration between a gst and income tax and provide a 360 profiling of a taxpayer so that when i am dealing with any of the taxpayer i know whether he is frivolous or a spurious or a good taxpayer at my end so these are things that the government should do and ensure that the drives are more towards only the suspicious ones and not the larger taxpayers per se agar valder arguing for out of the box thinking and also highlighting the fact that past measures at widening the net have worked reasonably well leading to higher gst revenues april gst collections incidentally stood at a record 187000 crores ensuring we collect more would also call i think for a lighter touch with a majority of taxpayers and sterner actions against the obvious crooks that's it from me for today have a wonderful weekend and see you on monday morning this was the core report with me govindraj ethiraj do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core you can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in that is www. the core.in or follow us on linkedin twitter and facebook as well now we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you 
including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core.in. Thank you for listening.